Support for this podcast comes from Outdoor Supply Hardware, inviting listeners to OSHA's big anniversary sale celebration, May 20th through the 26th, featuring daily deals, $15,000 in giveaways, 20% off store-wide on Saturday and Sunday, and a lot more. Learn more at OSH.com. Hey, it's Glenn Washington from Snap Judgment, and if you love what you're hearing... And I know you love what you're hearing. Please consider becoming a KQED member. Get special access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. Plus, you'll sleep better at night knowing you did your part for the community you depend upon. It's in you. Please be in it. Visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to sign up now. That's podcast with an S. Thanks. From KQED. Hi, Carla. Can you hear me? Hey, hey, yeah, I can hear you, Dan. How you doing? Gosh, we're both still pushing that <laughs> rock up the hill. <laughs> this is Political Breakdown from KQED in San Francisco. I'm Scott Schaefer. Well, it might be December, but, you know, there's plenty of politics to talk about. And who better to do that with than someone who's covered politics and government at the local, state, and national level, Veteran political journalist Carla Marinucci will be here. Then KQED's transportation reporter Dan Brecky commutes into political breakdown. In fact, he's commuting as we speak right now. We're hoping he gets here. What's happening in public transit? Turns out a lot is going on in this post-COVID era. Is it facing an existential crisis? It might be. And you know, why should we care? We're going to talk with Dan about all of that. So here we are. It's you know December. The holiday cards are starting to arrive in the mail. I got to get hours in the mail. Every four years, right around this time, as much as we don't like to think about it, the holidays and the early presidential primaries kind of bump up against each other. And this time around, of course, it's, as always, it's Iowa. January 15th, the Iowa caucuses are coming. New Hampshire right after that, the 23rd. And kind of as a, I don't know, the undercard preview Last week, we saw on Fox a little debate between one of the guys running for president, Governor Ron DeSantis of Florida, and Governor Gavin Newsom, who isn't running. He is not running for president today. Uh, But here's a little clip uh, of what we heard, if you happen to tune in, on Fox last week. I don't like the way you demean people. I don't like the way you demean the LGBTQ community. I don't like the way you demean and humiliate people you disagree with, Ron. I really find this fundamentally offensive. You have the freedom to defecate in public in California. You have the freedom to pitch a tent on Sunset Boulevard. You have the freedom to create a homeless encampment under a freeway and even light it on fire. So now that the dust has kind of settled on that face-off, we're getting some of the the backstory teleprompter gate. Apparently, DeSantis, unbeknownst uh, to Newsom, at least initially, he was able to see a teleprompter uh, kind of off in the distance that gave him a little heads up on what the upcoming topics were. Yeah, it was kind of a two to one, Hannity and DeSantis versus Newsom, but uh, yeah, he did okay. Um, Got to wonder, though, is it really smart to be promoting Nikki Haley? Uh, he, he certainly enjoyed, Newsom did, trolling DeSantis and pointing out that he's 41 points behind Trump in his own state. And why doesn't he just drop out and make it easier for Nikki Haley to get the nomination? Eh, Be careful what you ask for. Uh, That might not be so good for the Democrats. Um, Also, of course, a lot of talk about Kamala Harris, as always. Is she a benefit to the ticket? Is she a harm to the ticket? We've got an op-ed piece in the Chronicle today from Joe Matthews. 
Headline, come home, Kamala, and become California's governor. He points out kind of a no-win situation for Kamala. You know, Biden wins. You don't get any credit. Biden loses. You get blamed. Uh, Come back to California. Run for governor. Well, students of history might remember Richard Nixon tried that in 1962 after being vice president for eight years, lost to Pat Pat Brown. Um, Then we also have one less member of the House of Representatives, George Santos, getting uh, expelled by the House. Guy lied about Well, he lied about just about everything, his education, his family, his career. Uh, And so most of the Republicans or many of the Republicans, all the Democrats or most of the Democrats voting to get rid of him. Uh, And now there's going to be a special election. Uh, The governor, Kathy Hochul, has to do that, declare the date for that. Uh, And who knows? Maybe the Democrats can pick up a seat in that regard. Um, And by the way, uh, Santos has been making a little money on the side doing those cameos. You know cameo.com? That's where you can hire a quote-unquote celebrity to do, you know, a birthday message, happy anniversary, whatever, a message to your friend. Don't let the haters get to you. Haters are going to hate. And if you have haters, that means you're doing something right, girl. So just keep going. So apparently, uh, now that he's out of Congress, uh, Santos has raised his rates on Cameo.com. It used to be 75 bucks. I looked this morning. It's up to $200, $200 if you want a birthday message from uh, Santos. He he's just, describes himself on Cameo.com as former congressional icon. I don't know. That's another lie, maybe. I don't know. I mean, icon, George Clooney, Beyonce, Cher, maybe. I don't know about Santos. And who better to talk about all that and more? Carla Marinucci, former San Francisco Chronicle politics reporter, longtime veteran covering politics at every level in California, <laughs> local, state, national. And now she's international because she's spending a lot of time in Europe. Hey, Carla, welcome. Hey, good to be with you. Good to be with you, Scott. <laughs> yeah. So let's start. I didn't mention his name, but let's start with, uh, let's go down to Kern County, Bakersfield, Kevin McCarthy. <laughs> of course, he was deposed by fellow Republicans. He's now just a backbencher. And he's got until Friday to decide whether he's going to run for re-election. What, what do you make of his situation? Well, this is the drama. I mean, I think McCarthy's going through just stages of grief as he goes from being king to a, a backbencher. As you said, <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, and if you've ever been in that speaker's office uh, uh, in Washington, D.C., uh, the Capitol building, boy, that is luxury. And uh, to be kicked out and... Uh, and by, you know, your own people. I think that's got to be the toughest thing for Kevin McCarthy. Uh, and I think he, it sounds like he's a little bitter about it uh, in that uh, he's being accused of elbowing them literally. Aside. A kidney blow. <laughs> kidney blows. Anger. Um, you know, look, a lot is at stake uh, for if Kevin McCarthy runs or doesn't run. Uh, as you said, he has until December 8th to decide because the GOP majority is kind of hanging by a thread now that Santos is gone. Three seats left with Santos. I mean, uh, they don't have a lot of room to negotiate. I, and I think McCarthy has got to be a little miffed that uh, Speaker Mike Johnson, who replaced him, uh, is so inexperienced and really uh, hasn't paid the price for the basically some of the same stuff that McCarthy did in office. And you're trying to work with the Democrats to yeah. avoid a shutdown. And he, he also is, hasn't he, reached he, out, you know, with all that lack of experience. You think maybe he he'd is. pick up the phone and call McCarthy for some advice. No, no, no he's not calling Kevin. <laughs> it's got to be a bitter experience for McCarthy all the way around. The perks are gone. The reality has hit home. 
Uh, he went, he's gone from the top to the bottom and he's learning, you know, that, um, you know, that his own party turned the knives on him. So it'll be interesting to see what he does yeah. uh, come, come December 8th. Well, and this is a guy who got to the top of the ladder by cultivating relationships, too. And so it really speaks to how much Congress has changed and what they what the Republicans value or don't value. But are, do you think that he might actually not just not run for reelection, but say, I'm done, I'm out of here. You got three votes now to keep your majority and just like walk away with it, walk away from it. Now? I, I think it's I think it's very possible. I mean, look, uh, he could he he could make a, a very lucrative li- living uh, being a consultant, a lobbyist or anything else up there, you know, a, an influence maker uh, in in D.C. He certainly has the contacts to do so. And it's a real contrast, uh, isn't it, Scott, to Nancy Pelosi, who also had to step out of the speaker's office, but she's still viewed in her party as a queen. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> yeah. let's face it. Yes. Uh, she's given the respect uh, the, the, and and she's running again. And with everyone's support, that is not McCarthy's uh, experience. And, and I think he may be looking abroad and saying, look, there's more money, there's more respect. Uh, elsewhere. And yeah. he's certainly not getting it from his own people in yeah. D.C. Well, and he certainly didn't get it from Nancy Pelosi either, who I think at one point <laughs> yeah. called him, what did she call him, a moron or something? I guess. Like, was, yeah. She was not a fan. I, not a fan. Yeah. Well, you know, and, and of course, all this speaks to the state of the Republican Party. We've been seeing it shift to the right. And just a couple of weeks ago, Carla, you interviewed uh, former Governor Arnold Schwarzenegger up in Sacramento. And I guess it was the 20th anniversary of the recall that uh, deposed Gray Davis. What, what's your sense of him? He, I, I think he still thinks of himself as a Republican, right? And he, but he was never even that popular as a Republican within the party here in no, California. No, he was not. You're, you're absolutely right. I'll let, you know, let's remember it was 20 years since he assumed office, and it was one of the most mind blowing elections in modern times here in California. Uh, when he left office, his his ratings, his poll numbers were low. But the fact is, he's somebody who has sort of um, rebirthed himself a million ways. And to watch him in Sacramento uh, for this 20th anniversary was a real reminder of how different he is in the political circles. Uh, He had Democrats and Republicans up there applauding him. Willie Brown was the MC for his big party. Um, He is the, the reason I think that he has shown what it's like to be a positive force in politics. I mean, he's got right now, of course, a best-selling book and he's got a an app and a podcast. Uh, but I think the fact is he, he refuses to go to the dark side, which many of his Republican um, colleagues have done. He, uh, I asked him, by the way, if he would think about running for U.S. Senate here. A lot of Republicans mm. are, were hoping and saying that he actually could maybe win it if he Mm -hmm. he got into that race. Uh, But he said, no, there is no way he's going to. He absolutely ruled that out. Mm -hmm. He feels he can be a more positive force outside of politics. I think that says something. Uh, He he refuses to uh, uh, take a hammer to Trump uh, and and use the kind of insulting language. He disagrees, though, uh, and very strongly uh, with Trump and many of his fellow Republicans. And he's become somebody who speaks regularly on issues like anti-Semitism, um, uh, on on the on the negative influences in politics, and really tries to uh, present that sunny side, you know, that 
Reagan, uh, you know, I mean, uh, did once in the Republican Party. He wants to bring the party back to that. Why he's still a Republican, I think, Scott, is is a big question. He doesn't yeah. have a lot in common with the party at all when it comes to issues like choice, uh, LGBTQ rights yeah. and other issues. But well, go ahead. Uh, yeah. He's there, you know, he's yeah. there and he's and, and I think the uh, the number of Democrats who came out to uh, to laud him shows uh, there is another road. And I think that's what he's trying to uh, to to show. Yeah, it's just so hard in this system. If you're not a, one of the you know, a member of one of those two top parties, it's hard, hard to find a lane that means that it demonstrates anything other than kind of a protest, you know, because you're yeah, just not yeah. going to. Yeah. I mean, there's yeah, talk about this no labels, you know, possible candidacy in 2024. But, you know, it's just it's such a high hurdle. I mean, I think, don't you think, though, if he had gotten into the Senate race, it could have been, like, really interesting? Absolutely. Well, you know, he's the last guy, <laughs> last Republican to win a statewide election here in California, he and Steve Poisoner, in 2006. And, you know, Steve Garvey's gotten in, you know, the former Dodger, former Padre. But he's and been nowhere in this race. He's, he's, yeah. <laughs> but it, the, everyone always says, well, the, you know, he's no Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> you know, that, that he, you know, Schwarzenegger no came, you know, who else gets to announce they're running for statewide office on The Tonight Show? You know, there's just there aren't a lot of Arnold Schwarzeneggers around. No, no. I mean, that that was a, a freak show in many ways politically. But Steve Garvey, I mean, Republicans were hoping, uh, hey, maybe he could bring back some of the magic. Uh, look, the guy is 74. He's never been in politics. And many Dodgers fans uh, of the younger age don't even know who he is anymore. Yeah, uh, no. And he keeps so. using baseball metaphors in everything. Every question, he's got a baseball metaphor as an yeah, answer. Yeah. Okay. Out there. okay. We struck out. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and we'll find out if he makes it into the top two. That's for, we'll have that conversation down the road. Yeah, All right. Carla, I know that you're not a transportation expert, but can you stick around? We're going to talk to Dan Brecky, who is a transportation expert. We'd like to, you know, to sort of pick his Absolutely, brain. Absolutely. I ride transportation. All so right. That's okay. what we want to hear. All right. We're going to take a short break. When we come back, Dan Brecky, KQED's transportation guru. You're listening to Political Breakdown from KQED. I'm Sasha Coca, host of the California Report magazine. Every week, we bring you stories about what connects us in the giant, diverse Golden State. Because what happens in California changes the world. I love this place. We were once seen as, like, the place to be California. The land of milk and honey. That's where you go to Sunshine State. But we just have challenges right now. KQED's California Report magazine. New episodes drop every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts. Hey there, this is Brittany Luce from NPR's It's Been a Minute. KQED's podcasts like The Bay, Bay Curious, Mind Shift, Right Nowish, and more all tell the stories of the Bay and beyond with reliable, human-centered journalism. They aim to inspire, make you think, entertain, and expand your understanding of the place you call home. Here's how you can support podcasting at KQED. Showing your support is easy, and you can join Brittany in supporting KQED Podcast too at donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. And welcome back to Political Breakdown. I'm Scott Schaefer here with Carla Marinucci. And if you live here in the Bay Area, chances are you've gotten out of your car once in a while, uh, if you have one, to use public transportation for one thing or another, you know, pre-COVID BART into the city for work, maybe shopping, uh, Caltrain up and down the peninsula, maybe Muni to get to a Giants game, or maybe a concert at Oracle Park 
down near Mission Bay. Well, these days, public transit is facing more than a little bit of a crisis. People just aren't using it as much as you would have otherwise. And if you don't use it all the time, you might not notice, but uh, it is uh, it is a problem. And here to take us through the ins and outs of some of the issues that they're facing is Dan Brecky, KQED's transit. Can we call you a guru, Dan? I don't know. That sounds semi-religious. <laughs> I, I, so I'm not sure I can go there. You don't you don't take transit religiously. I do take tra- transit religiously. I had that choice just coming in right now about whether I was going to drive. You're a little or, late. Or, or I take Bart. Well, I took Bart. Uh, I skipped the Bay Bridge, but uh, I did have a chance to ride one of Bay Wheels, and w- this is not an ad. Uh, one of Bay Wheels. You rode new, a bike. New electric bikes, and they're as I was telling Izzy, the producer, a bomb. They're a bomb. They are. They're not they're, cheap. No, not a bomb. They're the bomb. The sorry. Bomb. <laughs> sorry. Right. They're not sorry bombing. Yeah. What about and, you, Carla? And, and, Carla Marinucci. Yes. Yeah. I, I'll have you know, I have ordered a Bart ugly a holiday sweater, uh, which apparently is a very hot item, Dan. I'm it told. is. It's, uh, <laughs> you know, they're, they're the, trans, uh, the transit agency that everyone loves to hate, except for their merch and their they merch. love the merch. I, I can't decide, is that like an ugly sweater or is this like a kind of a fashion statement or, you know, it's what is both. it? It's both. It's, it's a sweater for all seasons. And, you know, this actually has light up elements to it. I think they're, <laughs> yes. the, the lights on the BART train go on. Yeah. And the tracks, yes. I, yeah. I, absolutely. If only they did transit as good as they do ugly sweaters. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, the lights on the sweater work better than the lights on the train. <laughs> well, the state legislature agrees with you, uh, yeah. uh Carla, and maybe they're about to, uh, maybe Bart, if they're smart, will send sweaters to every legislator. Oh, there you go. There you go. Yeah. Uh, can you wash those things? I mean, we're getting way into the sweaters here, but can, like they have lights on them. You can't put them in the washing machine. You have to dry clean them. I'm not sure. I don't know. Okay. Enough of the sweater. So listen, Dan, uh, you're here to talk about public transit and the state of play. Uh, and this is, you know, this is serious stuff. I mean, these are big operations that move a lot of people. Um, give us sort of the lay of the land. Where are things as we sit here in uh, December of 2023? Well, you know, we've been talking about this for more than three years now. Um, You know, the pandemic killed ridership for every public transit agency. And there has been a recovery going on for quite a while, but the recovery is very slow. So if you look at a couple of the the bellwether transit agencies, we have BART is one. Its uh, overall ridership is in the low 40s, uh, low 40 percent area uh, compared to where it was before the pandemic. And uh, Muni, which has really uh, revamped its service during the pandemic and afterward, uh, even though it is really seeing some amazing growth on some lines, they're they're more than 100 percent of where they were before the the bad time came. Um, Overall, there's still less than 70 percent. And so what, what is there a through line for all of that? Well, the through line is, um, you know, it's a little complex, but I think the through line that all the agencies talk about, and it's much broader than transit, is that work patterns have changed. And um, there's no doubt that San Francisco and to a lesser extent downtown Oakland, which used to be the huge magnets for uh, employers and workers to get on those trains every day or get on the bus in the uh, case of AC Transit or Golden Gate Transit, 
they're just not doing it in those numbers anymore. And the downtown in San Francisco, uh, for a variety of reasons that have uh, maybe been beaten to death over the last uh, few months, um, you know, is is just very slow. So we have a long way to go. Yeah. But Danny, I mean, I, I just have to ask you, I mean, isn't the problem or one of the problems here that you've got this patchwork of agencies BART, Caltrain, you know, Santa Clara Valley Transportation Authority, Golden Gate Bridge, et cetera. Uh, instead of a regional uh, oversight here, an uh, organization that runs the whole show. I mean, uh, and it, uh, is that going to change at any time? Well, Carla, first let me say I love you. And, <laughs> and, and, and then, then let me say you really anticipated what's coming here because uh, last week uh, Senator Scott Weiner convened his state Senate Select Committee on Bay Area Public Transportation. And that is the key issue, is how these 27 transit agencies we have in the Bay Area are coordinated or not coordinated. Well, I thought the MTC was supposed to do that. Well, the MTC may not have all the power it needs to really do that, to just crack the whip and say, this is what you're going to do. But it's been a long process, and it started at the depth of uh, the, the the deepest depth of uh, transit ridership losses during the pandemic, where there was a blue ribbon task force convened to come up with new ideas about how to bring people back. And this idea of coordination is uh, what was the number one issue. Earlier than that, because uh, we've been talking now for more than five years about something that used to be called a mega measure that would fund big transit projects, uh, big transportation projects, including maybe a second BART tube and uh, really uh, and the downtown extension to bring Caltrain into the uh, Salesforce Transit and, Center. And high-speed rail. That's well, a whole high separate speed conversation. Rail. I but, mean, right? you know what? I, I'm sad about that because if I, you know— uh, I'm not going to say anything about how old I am, but I'm going to have to really take care of myself to ever be able <laughs> to, to ride on, on high-speed rail. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Did you hear that, California High-Speed Rail Authority? Speed it Brecky, tick-tock. I got to say quickly, I mean, when you compare what we get in the Bay Area to the European experience, which, you know, anybody who's done that, uh, electric trams that come on time or secure, et cetera. Why can't, I think most riders are saying, why can't we have that here in the Bay Area? Well, you know, you're right again. I mean, and going back to this hearing last week, um, I'll tell you what, this is not the first hearing. There have been a number of media events over the last, oh, over this last year to talk about this fiscal cliff, what they call the transit fiscal cliff, where all of these transit agencies are facing massive deficits. And um, and a lot of these sessions have really sounded like people just, you know, uh, preaching to the choir. They're just talking to each other, and it's not sure how much traction the discussion is getting outside of the, the room where the hearing is happening. Last week, something a little bit different happened. There is a... Um, grassroots organization. It's tiny. It's got a staff of three or four called Seamless Bay Area. The uh, head of this agency, uh, or the, the head of this group, Ian Griffiths, was at the hearing and addressing this idea of a mega measure that, you know, this will be a revenue measure of some kind that will be on the 2026 ballot to get Bay Area voters to support uh, some kind of tax or some kind of fee that will support day-to-day operations of transit into the indefinite future. He said, look, there is no way 
of getting voters on board with this unless they uh, know that there is some kind of uh, coordinated regional transit coming. Seamless transit isn't just good policy. It's actually essential to winning the the confidence of the public. And poll after poll has indicated that seamless integrated transit is has got 90% support. It's one of the most important motivating factors to get people to show up and vote for, for new taxes. And people do see the importance of linking the reforms to deliver that seamless outcome uh, with, with th- those promises. And, and Dan, that idea of reform, I mean, wasn't that, I think you just reported on this last week, that there's some federal money uh, and maybe some state money as well that is potentially going to Muni in San Francisco and BART, but only if they figure out how to stop all this fare evasion? Well, I mean, you know, that picture is a little complicated, too. I mean, everything about this question is. But, yes, the federal government has stepped up with lots and lots and lots of money uh, to keep Bay Area transit, transit everywhere, going at its pre-pandemic levels. BART alone has gotten $1.5 billion, $1.5 billion with a B. Uh, Muni has gotten more than a billion. So the federal government has stepped up, but it, that funding is going to run out within the next year or two. That's the cliff. Right. And then the state has just stepped in. They, uh, you know, thanks again to Senator Weiner, there was a real push uh, to get transit funding in, um, you know, for operations in the state budget, that just got allocated. And that is going to buy BART and Muni and other agencies about another year or so to get things in order. And part of this, part of, part of the equation here is that there's some kind of accountability. And you just touched on it. So one area that lots of people are concerned with is fare evasion. Um, you know, I just had somebody on our KQED staff say, Hey, you know, when I take BART, it looks to me like more people are jumping the gates than actually, you know, swiping tickets mm-hmm. and uh, or uh, clipper cards. And I said, well, it's not really that way. But, you know, the thing is, this is something that is of longstanding concern to people. And BART is under the gun. Mm-hmm. Um, they part of their commitment to show that they're accountable uh, for and they're going to have to show accountability. They're going to have to deliver on this to get the state money that's coming is that um, uh, they have to start installing new fare gates. And that project is actually starting later yeah. this month in West Oakland. I, I was just in New York. And of course, they have, that's a whole other animal. Their subway system is amazing, and but very, very old. But it is hard to, to hop. I mean, they have these gates that open and close. I'm sure people right. figure it out. It looks but. scary. Well, there, <laughs> look, there's a lot of gate jumping there, too. My brother lives uh, next to the High Street Station in Brooklyn, yeah. where the A and C run. And, uh, and he complains about it. Yeah. He does not like to see that happen. Bringing it back to the politics, Carla, um, is this the kind of issue? I mean, you and I remember, and Dan, I think it was the 19, I'm trying to think now, the 1999 mayoral election in San Francisco where Tom Amiano did the, he was the write-in candidate and he gave Willie Brown a run for his money. I mean, Muni was the big issue, right, at that time, I think. Yes, this is a perennial issue. And I I go to the fact that, you know, until these systems are considered safe by people uh, and efficient, I mean, Bart was stopped in its tracks for, what, a couple of hours last week, Dan, when somebody was on the track. I mean, things like this. Are you going to ask people to pay more taxes? Are they going to be willing to 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 say yes on that ballot? 
uh, unless they're really satisfied with the system? That's the big question for these transit agencies. Well, it's, it is a big question. And, you know, the issue has not polled well so far. You know, as the law currently stands, as actually as the Constitution here in California currently stands, it takes a two-thirds vote to approve a, re- a revenue measure like they're contemplating. Now, the Constitution may change next year. There's going to be an issue on the uh, November ballot that would reduce the threshold to 55 percent. That would help. But even so, um, the long-term pattern of these votes for regional transit or regional uh, transportation funding measures is down. Um, it's gone from very high in the late 18, uh, <laughs> the late <laughs> 1980s, 1880s. What was Chester A. Arthur doing? Here? <laughs> uh, late uh, 1980s until now. So um, it's a challenge to get something like this passed. And you know what you're implying there? They have to deliver they being the Metropolitan Transportation Commission and all the transit agencies, they have to deliver a much better, friendlier product than they have so far. Carla, do you think that this is the kind of issue? I mean, Scott Wiener has been mentioned a couple of times. He's definitely one of the proponents of public transit. Um, Do you think this is the kind of issue that really moves voters? I mean, we, you know, yes, it happened in 99 in the mayor's race, but, you know, for a Senate race. Absolutely, Scott. This is a bread and butter issue. The reason when we're talking about people who are deciding whether to get in that car or drive uh, and and drive or take BART. uh, And this is something that uh, people are dealing with every day of the week. uh, So I think anybody who deals with it and Wiener has been very aggressive on social media and i think uh getting the message out but i mean the fact is uh, unless the politicians deliver on this one uh getting more money out of uh out of voters for tra- these transit agencies not gonna happen i think yeah do you think the the, the lack of coordination the 27 different agencies is that is that sort of a luxury we could afford in some ways in the past and now we just can't that we need more efficiency it's like really an existential threat here I think there's that, and I think the fact that uh, Bart, both BART and AC Transit, for instance, have elected boards of directors, and I think uh, the critics have said, and Dan, I'd like to hear your thoughts, uh, that this is one of the reasons why we've got, uh, you know, every one of these agencies has their own little fiefdom. They don't want to give it up, and uh, there's a lot of special interest groups, unions included, uh, that that lay that come in on the on these elections uh, on those two agencies, and I think that, you know that's rare. Uh, in, in terms of the number of agencies nationwide that have elected boards. But those are two major agencies in the Bay Area. And I think uh, that the voters understand that, that it's not working in their favor. This system does not work in their favor. You know, I would agree that um, that is one of the big issues. And uh, the fact, especially this idea of every agency having its own little fief that it doesn't want to really uh, give up any influence over or power over. Um, you know, this is something that will have to be fixed by politicians, though, in the long run, because BART and AC Transit, for instance, and other transit agencies have, uh, they're the creatures of state law, right? BART is the creation of the state of California. And um, that's going to have to be addressed if we're going to have some sort of consolidation, for instance, has been talked about between BART and Caltrain, which has its own very parochial and um, insular, uh, you know, political setup. All right. We are going to wrap it up. Before we do, uh, I want to ask, uh, we try to end on kind of a fun thing. And so uh, yesterday- This whole thing is fun. I will that too. But it's even more fun. This is the cherry on top of the fun. Uh, fun Sunday. But um, 
49ers game yesterday. I was going to ask both of you, but I, Carla says she doesn't watch the 49ers. Are you, are you just not a sports fan, Carla? Soccer. 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 World Cup soccer. That's we, my thing. We got to say, she, Go you've been spending Italy. a lot of time in Europe, and this is clearly <laughs> rubbing off. Barcelona. Dan, what about you? Were you like at the museum or something, or did you watch the? No, I actually watched yesterday while I was putting off other work that I was supposed to be doing. What was the most most satisfying satisfying play? Yeah, Yeah. no, Um, not play, but just the part of their winning. Well, uh, they—I don't think I can say exactly what the most satisfying thing was. They kicked butt. Yeah. Um, There was one play where I think uh, the receiver's name is Jennings. He, uh, one of the. Eagles players tried to tackle him, and he basically just shoved the guy out of the way like, you know, I'm scoring this one. Yeah. It was a really thorough domination, and that's the take that the world got yeah, to see. Yeah, I would say for me it was – I mean, I like so many fans, I was despondent after that first quarter. They were losing 6 nothing, yeah. which actually could have been a lot worse. Right. Uh, they had a total of minus 3 or minus 6 yards. Yeah, they were minus 12 at one point. Yeah, and they just – Got through it. It was, uh, you know, that was a hidden victory that first quarter because those were two 12-play drives that the Eagles had, and they only got six points. Yeah. But the offense had to come alive, and it did. It did. All right. Good enough. Thank you so much, both of you. Carla Marinucci, veteran political reporter here in California. Great to talk with you. Pleasure. Stay well. And Dan Brecky from KQED, our transportation guy. Thanks so much for coming in. Uh, Thanks for having me. Yeah. All right. So that does it for this edition of Political Breakdown. We'll be back tomorrow. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next time. Do you love learning about the San Francisco Bay Area? It's history, it's people, it's unique blend of cultures? Then you should check out The Bay Curious Book. I'm Katrina Schwartz, editor and producer on The Bay Curious Podcast, and I'm here to let you know that for the month of May, we've worked out a sweet deal for KQED podcast listeners. Right now, you can get The Bay Curious ebook for $1.99. That's right, $1.99. Just search for Bay Curious wherever you get your ebooks or find a link in our show notes. This offer does expire at the end of the month, though, so you'll want to act on it fast. Happy reading! Hey, it's Avery Truffleman, host of Articles of Interest. And I've got to say, I've been a fan of KQED ever since I was a little kid, and I would come out to San Francisco to visit my grandma. It was just what we'd always turn on every time we got in the car, every time we were making dinner and turning on the radio. It was always KQED. And then over the years, I've become a massive fan of KQED podcasts because this is local reporting at its best. These are answers to questions you've always wanted to know, interviews with exciting, unusual voices, necessary journalism, all told with love and care and artistry. And did you know that a majority of KQED's funding actually comes from members? It's just people like you and me supporting the programs they love while also getting access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. If you want to sign up and be a part of this amazing community, visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to become a member today. That's podcasts with an S. Thank you for listening, and thank you for your support.